are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Thursday, January 27th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're listening to today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. It'll only take a quick click of the button. It'll help me out tremendously. And best of all, it's absolutely 100% free wherever you may be listening to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. Listening to the show is 100% free. And if you go and follow right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right, good morning, everyone. And as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for also making the show your first listen here to start off your morning. And what a good morning it is, folks. And you want to know why that is? Oh yeah, because the Chicago Blackhawks last night defeated their longtime rival Red Wings up in Detroit. It's always a good day when the Blackhawks manage to beat the Red Wings. And on the show today, folks, I'll be going over a full recap of that wild and wacky 8-5 to finish last night up at Little Caesars Arena. I'll also go over all the latest updates we heard yesterday from Danny Wirtz on the Blackhawks' ongoing GM search. And then to wrap things up for the show today will be Part 6, the final chapter of my Blackhawks midseason prospect rankings. All that and plenty more right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. For segment one on the t- on the show today, though, folks, let's start out by getting into that incredible shootout that took place last night between the Chicago Blackhawks and Detroit Red Wings. An eight to five final up in Detroit. Thirteen total goals were scored between these two teams. It was absolute madness. And let me tell you, if you said to me before the game that the Blackhawks were to surrender five goals to the Red Wings, no way in hell I would have told you that they would have come out of that one victorious. But the offense came out to play last night. Eight goals is the most The Blackhawks have scored in a game since way back on February 15th, 2020. It's been nearly two years since the Hawks found the back of the net eight times in a single game. That's very likely going to be a season-high output in terms of offense, I would imagine, for the Blackhawks. Uh, And it's also actually their first time this season even scoring six goals, let alone eight. But what a pleasant surprise this offensive explosion turned out to be from the Hawks and very much needed after not only getting shut out on Monday against the Colorado Avalanche, but also only having six goals total and only four of those coming at five on five during their current four-game losing skid heading into last night's contest. So uh, really strong Impressive game from the Blackhawks, and I can't talk about that without giving a huge 
Shout out to Dylan Strom for having a career night to lead the way. Strom picked up his first career NHL hat trick en route to also his first career four-point game as well with uh, by adding an assist. So just a, a huge game here from Stromer. I'm really happy for him. Uh, and he was everywhere. I mean, he honestly could have scored like five or six goals in this game. Like he had a plethora of chances. He was getting to the dirty areas, making all the right plays. Again, a career night from Dylan Strome. He also led the Blackhawks with six shots on goal. And we also saw him continue to dominate at the faceoff dot as well. He's been on a crazy run here at the dot as of late. Continued on with that last night by winning 10 of his 17 faceoffs. So overall, I mean, you can't complain. You can't find anywhere to nitpick about Strom's game last night. A-plus in all areas. And with this four-point performance, Dylan Strom now has not only nine points in his last eight games, but also 13 points in his last 16 games, dating all the way back to December 5th. I mean, I don't know how we can sit here any longer and say Dylan Strome doesn't deserve to be a top six forward for this team. Because he's been one of the few guys who actually has found a consistent way to get on the score sheet. Even when the Blackhawks aren't putting up a great fight, Dylan Strome usually is still producing. And also, with the massive improvements he's shown at the faceoff dot, there's no excuses now for the Blackhawks to not be giving Stromer major opportunities as long as he's here. Because honestly, if you're looking at this long term now, Strome has been the Blackhawks' best center so far this year. Maybe not on the defensive side of things. Both Jonathan Taves and Kirby Doc do have a leg up there. Overall, on defense, Strom's been good at the faceoff dot, but uh, the defensive side of the game isn't necessarily his bread and butter like it is for Taves and Doc. Um, but with both those two, you know, with both Taves and Doc having offensive struggles this season, and that's really played a pretty key part in the team's overall inability to consistently score goals. I mean, it's hard not to say Strom hasn't been their best center this season. He's really stepped it up here as of late. Uh, and to me, it's really annoying that Strom wasn't trusted upon to serve this kind of role for the Blackhawks earlier. We were screeching it from the heavens. Put Dylan Strom in a top six role, along with other offensive-minded players. Look what happens when they actually do that. He's been remarkable these last 16 games. Let's not forget, also, Dylan Strome was regularly getting healthy scratched early on in the season when Jeremy Colleton was still here. If that doesn't leave you shaking your head right now, I don't know what will. That tells you enough about Jeremy Colleton's tenure with the Blackhawks. Not to bash on him too hard. I don't think Jeremy Colleton was a horrendous coach. He just definitely wasn't the right coach for the direction the Blackhawks were trying to head in when they first hired him. Um, and there there also have even been a few times where Derek King has had Stromer out of the lineup. But I don't think that's going to be happening uh, anymore here as long as Strom is in Chicago. I'm not sure how long that will be. As we all know, Strom's still out there on the trade block. Um, 
But no doubt about it, I'm really happy for Strom to have this moment and uh, to put together, again, a career game last night to lead the way for the Chicago Blackhawks and to continue on this strong run he's been, he's been showing us over the past 15 or 16 games since the start of December. And two of those goals from Strom came as part of a four-goal first period from the Blackhawks last night. They got off to a roaring start in the first period, which is actually kind of ironic because uh, the opening seven or eight minutes were not going the Hawks' way at all. It was actually (laughs) definitely not the start and the effort I was hoping they would show out of the gate. But all of a sudden, after the midway point, they rattled off four goals in just over four minutes there to snag a big early lead up in Detroit. Dominic Kubalik was the one who opened the scoring after a beautiful passing play with Seth Jones and Philip Kurashev on a three-on-two. And then Strom went on to score two goals in less than two minutes himself. The first was um, a beautiful power play goal from his good buddy DeBrinkett gave him an easy tap in back door. And then Strom just roofed a shot after a nifty little no-look backhand pass from Patrick Kane. That made it 3 to nothing Blackhawks early as Stromer went top shelf. And Dylan wasn't done in the first period. He kept his foot on the gas in the final minute, makes a great feed on a two-on-one to find Sam Lafferty, top six Sam. That gave uh, Lafferty a yawning cage to put in his first goal here as a member of the Blackhawks and also put the Hawks up 4 to nothing heading into the first intermission. And it was like, all right, all right. Blowout here in Detroit, not too bad. Sticking it to the Red Wings. This is a nice change of pace from the first meeting. But then right out of the gate in the second, the mood took a complete 180 as Detroit managed to rattle off two goals in under a minute to cut the Blackhawks' lead in half. The first one, a terrible turnover by Calvin DeHaan, completely gave Robbie Fabry a gift in the middle of the ice. Uh, and then the second was kind of uh, a just a poor overall defensive play in transition from the Blackhawks with Seth Jones. I don't know why he didn't take his man, Tyler Bertuzzi, in front of the net. He was able to gobble up the rebound and beat Flurry to cut the Blackhawks' lead to 4-2. to two. And that was a very quick reminder that, oh boy, This Blackhawks team, nothing comes easy for them. There's no such thing as a cakewalk. No such thing as a blowout victory for them this season, it seems. And then after that, the Wings just continued to pressure. They were the ones making plays as the period was winding down. The Blackhawks seemingly just wanted to get to the second intermission. And in the final minute, former Hawk Pius Suter snuck a shot through some traffic to make this thing a one-goal game. Heading into the third, that one was a real backbreaker there for the Blackhawks, giving up a goal to cut it to 4-3 to three with just 13 seconds to go. I was worried that one was going to come back to bite them in the third period, but fortunately, it didn't wind up proving to be too costly because uh, actually, and quite impressively, in the first 10 minutes of the third period, I figured uh, the Hawks were just kind of going to get peppered there for the final 20 minutes, but instead, they actually wound up scoring twice in the opening 10 minutes of the third. The first one came from Dylan Strome, redirecting Seth Jones' shot from the point for his hat trick on the power play. Two power play goals from Dylan Strome last night. A beautiful 
redirect there after great patience by Jones to find some open space at the point. And then moments later, Caleb Jones, it was his turn to make a terrific play overall. And if you go back and watch this highlight, it was really cool to see how Caleb called out this entire play. He's the one who's back on defense for the two-on-one for Detroit. He's pointing to Alex Debrinkit, who's coming back on the back check to try and make this a two-on-two rush. Caleb's pointing out to play the the play to Debrinkit. He's telling him, I got the shooter. You skate hard and take away this passing lane. The play winds up, uh, winds up getting stopped by Flurry, and then Caleb grabs the puck in transition. Kick starts this three-on-one, and you see once he moves the puck over to Alex Debrinkit, he points to Jonathan Taze with his stick. He goes, Kitty, move that over to Taze, and then go and move yourself. What happens? Just that. Debrinkit and Taze pull off a perfect give-and-go on the three-on-one. Debrinkit puts home his 25th goal of the season, and bang, the Blackhawks jump ahead 6-3 to early on in the third period. A huge pair of goals from good buddies Stromer and Debrinkit. And I felt like that was probably going to be the turning point there late for the Blackhawks. But of course... Detroit wasn't going to go away and weren't going to go down without a fight as a few minutes later, rookie phenom Mo Sider hammered home a power play goal from the point. That cut the Hawks' lead to 6-4, to four. and then with just barely under five minutes to play in the period, Dylan Larkin sniped home a shot after another turnover by Calvin DeHaan in the defensive zone. Pretty nifty athletic play by Larkin. Uh, DeHaan tries to clear it up the glass. Larkin literally jumps up to keep it in the offensive zone and catch the puck in midair, and then he throws it down on his stick, has the strength and the speed to fight off a few defenders, and then beats Flurry with a shot top shelf. And all of a sudden... We had ourselves a 6-5 game late in the third period, and it was like, oh no, why can't this team have anything easy? Why can't I have nice things? But just moments after the goal from Detroit that made it 6-5, the Blackhawks this time were the ones who were given a gift by a terrible defensive turnover, and it was former Hawk Nick Letty who bow-wrapped this one up for Brandon Hagel. There were lots of gifts uh, by former Blackhawks last night. P.S. Suter, yeah, he did score a goal. But he also took three Red Wings penalties. All three Red Wings penalties, might I add. And the Blackhawks and Dylan Strome, more specifically, managed to capitalize on two of those. So, a couple of costly penalties by former Blackhawk P.S. Suter. And then Nick Letty made a horrible giveaway in his own zone to, again, to bow wrap a gift over to Brandon Hagel. He beats Calvin Pickard, who came in in replacement of Alex Nedeljkovic after the first period, beats him glove side, and that put the Blackhawks back ahead by two. That was a huge one late. And then, of course, Alex Dabrinkit went on to add the empty netter for his 26th goal of the year. That's now good for solo fourth in the entire NHL. And the Blackhawks... Despite not playing anything close to a perfect defensive game, still found a way to walk out of Detroit with two points, winning 8-5 to against the Red Wings to put a halt to their four-game losing skid. 
Alright, there's my full recap of last night's victory over the rival Red Wings. Coming up in just a moment, I will go over a few other quick takeaways that I had from the game, as well as an update on the Hawks' ongoing GM search. But first, I need to talk to you all about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season long on more props, odds, and lines than ever before, as football season in the NFL is marching towards the conference championships. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action here in 2022. Head on over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just got to use our exclusive promo code LOCKDOWN, that's one word in all caps, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, the NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Sign up today and you'll also receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just got to use our exclusive promo code LOCKDOWN, that's one word in all caps, to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, where the game begins. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Blackhawks, getting into segment two on the show now today. I also still have a couple of other quick takeaways from last night's game that I definitely wanted to get into as well. I already talked about, you know, the offensive frenzy that came last night, Dylan Strom's career night to lead the way, Alex Dabrinkit scoring his 25th and 26th goals of the season, Brandon Hagel had a goal and an assist, Patrick Kane had two assists, um... But I also definitely had to be sure to talk about the game that Seth Jones played for the Blackhawks last night. And I think it's kind of funny because if you are a Seth Jones hater and you're not on the side that Seth Jones has been really good so far this year, then you probably only noticed the poor defensive plays that he made last night. I noticed this on Twitter. I saw very different reactions to the game that Seth Jones had last night. But I'm here to tell you, both are true. Everyone out there is right in a sense, but you're missing the full picture. Let me put it together for you. Yes, I do realize there were a couple of plays where Seth wasn't the sharpest defensively, and those did play a part in a couple of Red Wings goals. The one where Tyler Bertuzzi made it 4-2, to two, that was Jones's man in transition. He didn't take him. It was a bad play. And then you can also make an argument on Pia Suter's goal late in the second period. Jones didn't do a good enough job clearing traffic out in front of his net. I agree with you. But you'd be doing yourself a due diligence if you don't go back and watch the highlights of all three opening goals of the game for the Blackhawks. Go back and watch the tape right now. You can pause the audio. Go back and watch those. I'm asking you to. Because one thing you'll notice with all three of those plays, they don't happen without Seth Jones. I'll even refresh your memory here on the show if you don't want to go back and watch the clips yourself. First goal of the game. Three on two for the Blackhawks in transition. Who jumped up on the play to make it an on-man rush? It was Seth Jones. And then who picks up the primary apple by getting the puck over to Kubelik? Oh yeah, that's our boy Seth. Then the second goal, 
which was Dylan Strome's first on the power play. Go back and watch that highlight if you don't trust me. Seth Jones was the one who kept the play alive not once, but twice at the point for the Blackhawks on that power play. Eventually, he works the puck down low to Kane. Kane gives it over to Cat, and then Cat finds his good buddy Stromer just seconds later after a perfect passing play, backdoor tapping to make it 2-0 Blackhawks. That doesn't happen without the couple of keeps by Seth Jones. And then on the third, go back and watch it if you don't believe me. Seth Jones was the one who initially broke up the play at the Blackhawks' blue line. The puck trickles its way into the offensive zone. Kane finds it moments later, and then he goes on to make that no-look, backhanded pass to set up Strom for a second goal of the period. None of those plays, none of those goals, happen without Seth Jones. So sure, I will agree with you. For all the people who are down on Seth Jones for whatever reason this year, I'll agree, there are, there are times and things he needs to still clean up defensively. He needs to work on that area a little bit more. Which, you know, that's an, a very crucial area as a number one defenseman. It, it can be a little bit concerning, but I feel like more nights than not, when Jones does have those defensive lapses, he's able to make up for it and then some with what he's able to provide this team in the offensive zone. Jones also, I I wanted to add this, also went on to add another primary assist later on in the game on Strom's hat-trick goal as well. So four out of the eight goals scored last night for the Blackhawks. Seth Jones played a direct role in creating those. And he's been doing things like that on offense all season for the Blackhawks. There's no denying how needed that's been for this team. And I continue to be impressed by Seth's abilities on the offensive end. So stop looking at this. Stop looking at just one side of the coin with Seth Jones. Take it all in. I'm agreeing with some of the haters out there that his defense needs a little bit of work. But offensively, you can't deny the impact that he's made for this team. The Blackhawks need offense desperately. They've needed it all season long. And Seth Jones has been one of the few players on this team. And basically the only one from the blue line who's been able to help out consistently on the offensive end. Also, another player I have to talk about, Sam Lafferty, folks. My boy, top six Sam. Just might be for real, because last night, not only did Lafferty find the back of the net for his first goal as a member of the Blackhawks, which, by the way, a little tip of the cap to myself, saying on the episode yesterday that if Lafferty... Ooh, excuse me, I had a hiccup. I said on the show yesterday that... If Lafferty kept up this impressive play and going about things the way he has been as of late, then the finished product was going to come eventually and wound up coming last night against the Red Wings. But not only did top six Sam score his first goal with the Hawks, but both he and Jonathan Taze were incredible last night together. They were both on the ice for seven high danger chances for to zero against. They've been great, both on the defensive side of things and also with the cycles and finding ways to get it done in the offensive zone as well. And how about that? Sam Lafferty, top six Sam. I don't think anyone saw this coming, except for maybe Kyle Davidson. Has Kyle Davidson found a hidden gem here in Sam Lafferty? 
It's still probably a little bit too early in his Hawks career to tell, um, but a heck of an impressive first few games here in Chicago for my boy Top 6 Sam. One other thing I definitely had to mention on the show here today, folks, speaking of Kyle Davidson, uh, yesterday the Chicago Blackhawks, and more specifically CEO Danny Wirtz, released a statement saying that the organization's search for a new general manager is now in full swing. Interviews with candidates for the position are going to finally begin this week, sounding like it could even be today or tomorrow. after the team has kind of spent these past few months, you know, gathering information and doing all their necessary research and whatnot. Um, and it, it's interesting to note that the Blackhawks, Danny Wirtz came out and said that the final decision for their new general manager will officially be made ahead of the March 21st NHL trade deadline, which is something that a bunch of people have been asking me. So it sure does sound like the Hawks want whoever is going to be in control to be the one making those, you know, long-term decisions before, uh, once we get to the trade deadline, I should say, which is certainly something to keep in mind with the Hawks having a plethora of players on the trade block here. I'm not so sure they're going to be trading any of those guys while doing interviews for their new GM. That just wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Um, And for those of you wondering, Current interim GM Kyle Davidson is still in the running to get that interim tag removed and to take on the long-term gig, but the feel around Davidson is that even if he doesn't ultimately wind up getting the job, there's a strong belief that he's still going to be involved in the front office in at least some capacity for the Chicago Blackhawks. He's reportedly well-liked by the organization. He's done a pretty decent job so far. Um... And one other thing I I found interesting that I wanted to mention, not only will uh, Danny Wirtz, obviously Rocky, the owner, uh, and Jamie Faulkner, not only will all those three be involved in this hiring process, but the Blackhawks also will be using, uh, what's, how'd they put it? They used, they're going to be using an advisory committee that's filled with a bunch of different well-known leaders across the sports industry to help them make this decision. And if you remember back in December, there was a report that came out that the Hawks hired a sports consultant. I believe his name was Mike Ford in order to kind of guide them throughout this general manager hiring process. And they've also, you know, talked with Jed Hoyer from the Chicago Cubs. So they just clearly are doing a bunch of, of research and, trying to get as much help as possible, it seems, to make this decision. And it's obviously going to be a very critical one for the team's future. So I definitely agree and like to hear with all the work that's being put in. And um, I'm definitely excited to finally hear about some of the candidates that could be in the running for the Blackhawks' new general manager. All right, there is an update on the Hawks' ongoing GM search. Coming up in just a minute, it's time for part six of my Blackhawks midseason prospect rankings.
Welcome back to Lockdown Blackhawks. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Moving on into segment three here today, before I finish things up, I still have to unveil the top two players on my Blackhawks midseason prospect rankings. And again, if you want to hear more about each and every player that I've already revealed on my list, as well as my honorable mentions, then definitely be sure to go and check out segment three in each episode dating back to Wednesday of last week because I've gone in-depth on each player that's been a part of my ranking so far. That's number three through ten along with some honorable mentions. So uh, before part six here today, if you're not all caught up and not up to date, then I definitely recommend first going back and listening to the final segment from all those episodes. But as a quick reminder of who has already been unveiled, Alex Vlasic was the one to kick things off at number 10. Then Jakob Galvis came in at number 9. Alec Regula was number 8. 2021 second round pick Colton Dock came in at number 7. Wyatt Kaiser was number 6. Lots of defensemen there. Uh, And then to kick off the top 5, First came goaltender Drew Camesso. At number four was another netminder and Arvid Soderblom. And then number three yesterday on the show was 2018 first round pick Nicholas Bodan. Now, coming in at number two on my Blackhawks midseason prospect rankings is none other than 2017 second round pick defenseman Ian Mitchell. Not too much of a surprise here with these final two names, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, But that also kind of attests to uh, the limited amount of high-end prospects that the Blackhawks have in their system right now. Um, But I do still have Ian Mitchell coming in at number two. Because out of all the blue liners that the Hawks have down in Rockford right now and a couple of others in college, too, Um, I do still believe that Ian Mitchell has the highest ceiling out of all of them. With the offensive game that he possesses, it's undeniable. He's got a good offensive skill set. He's got great vision. He's a good point man with the puck in the offensive zone. He's also smooth in transition. He's capable of skating it up himself. He's a pretty decent skater. Um, He's got a lot of good skills that the Blackhawks need on their blue line. And so far in Rockford this year, Um, Mitchell has performed pretty well. He's been able to record three goals and 10 assists for 13 points in 25 games so far. So the offensive progression, that's been what we've, what we've wanted to see here in his first real full season at the AHL level. The defensive side of things, um, it's kind of similar to Nicholas Bodan. It's a little bit worrisome because of the lack of size, right? Mitchell's only about five foot 11 roughly 180 pounds, and for that reason, I personally fully agree with how the Hawks are being patient with Mitchell right now and giving him the extra time to try and get better and better and better at that side of the puck while playing major minutes in the AHL first. They're not rushing him up to the NHL. They've gotten a little bit of taste. They've gotten a little taste, excuse me, but they know Mitchell has things he needs to round out in his game before becoming a first-time NHLer. And I know that's been frustrating as a fan because Mitchell definitely hasn't lived up to the hype that he had during his final year in college with the University of Denver. 
But you can't forget he just turned 23 years old. And again, as I mentioned, technically, this is his first real full season in the AHL. I know he played 39 games up with the Blackhawks last season, but let's not kid ourselves. Had that been a normal year without COVID, had the AHL been moving forward with a regular schedule, Mitchell's one of those guys who assuredly would have spent more time in the A sharpening up his game. He wouldn't have played more than half a season up with the Blackhawks. So um, I really agree with the patient approach here with Mitchell. I like letting him play as a top-pairing defenseman in Rockford first because I really think that's going to help sharpen up the tools that he has in the skill set. And with his skill set, I really do believe there's a lot of upside there left in his game. There's a lot of good things that if Mitchell progresses well, he's going to be a difference maker on the back end for the Blackhawks. Just because it hasn't gone as planned here through the first year of his professional career, that does not mean that Ian Mitchell is going to be a bust. I still believe there's plenty of upside in his game, and that's why I have Ian Mitchell coming in at number two. Now, checking in at number one on my midseason prospect rankings, the top of the list, of course, is none other than 2020 first-round pick Lucas Reichel. No surprises here, but Reichel, he's been tearing it up with the Rockford Ice Hogs so far in his first year over in North America. Of course, we also recently got to see a, a first look of Reichel up in the NHL with the Chicago Blackhawks, only there for three games before being sent down, which I know makes a lot of fans upset. Um, but without a doubt, no questions about it. Reichel is the top prospect in the Blackhawks organization right now, and it's not even close, really, because he's the only one with even a chance, I believe, of having superstar talent. I think Reichel has the chance to become a superstar. That's right. I said it. Because he's got all the tools that he needs. He's got the speed, which I think, first and foremost, is the most important key of becoming a star player because if you want to be a star in today's NHL, you got to keep up with the tremendous pace of the game that, that is present today. And Reichel's got that. He also's got very good stick handling. He's swift with the puck on his stick. The vision and the playmaking abilities are unreal. He's also shown he can be responsible defensively. He's also dabbled at both center and on the wing. And he's only 19 years old. He's only 19, and he's already recorded 25 points in his first 24 career AHL games. Again, only 19 years old. So Reichel has the chance to be a real special talent here for the Blackhawks, and it's pretty obvious why there's a huge gap between he and the rest of the prospects. It's Reichel and then the rest, let's face it. And I know a lot of people were not happy when Reichel was sent down recently after just three games, as I've already mentioned. Um, but don't you worry, Blackhawks fans, because we are going to be seeing plenty of this kid here sometime in the near future because they're not going to be able to hold him down in Rockford forever. I like how they just want to make sure he's 110% ready to go before making that jump full-time. They don't want to rush him along in the process any way, shape, or form. I like that. But if he's able to keep it up at this clip down in the A, scoring at a point per game and being dominant each and every night, then there's really not going to be much of a choice left for the Blackhawks front office to make with their top prospect in the entire organization. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Thursday, January 27th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast right now. It's all for free on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Bets podcast, which is hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's lock of the day by just simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Bets right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 783... Oh, what's the number? I completely forgot it. You could call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.